couple of you are. Anyone here not interested? Just checking. All right. Okay, so all of you are interested. All right, good. Let, let's pray um, as we come into this teaching this morning. And I want to encourage you as we pray, uh, I want to encourage you to open your ears and open your heart for the Holy Spirit to specifically speak to you this morning in this teaching. Lord, we come to you this morning as we gather together in unity in your house. And we thank you, Lord, for every person that's here. We thank you, Lord, for every couple. We thank you, Lord, for every family. And we thank you, Lord, Father, for, uh, for every goal and every dream and everything that you've laid into our heart to pursue this year uh, for you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that your hand of favor is upon your people. And I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, Holy Spirit, just fill this place. Holy Spirit, fill this place and illuminate the word this morning. Lord, I pray for your anointing to be on the word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is not designed to be dry. It's not designed just to be literal text. But, Lord, it's designed to be power. It's designed to be supernatural truth, Lord, that helps to cut away things that are holding us back and helps to establish and build things in our heart to help us to run forward. So, Father, I declare, Lord, this morning your anointing be in this house. Anoint people's ears to listen to your word. Father, I pray pray, Lord, for a spirit of revelation to be here, Lord. Lord, that you would help to build people through revelation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Awesome. All right. So overcoming giants is the message today. And who here has started the new year with maybe a new dream or some new goals or fresh insight? Okay, most of you, we've done a good theme in January into early February about the importance of starting the new year with a fresh insight. Um, and so I want to talk about, uh, first of all, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. But the Bible describes a new start for the Israelites. Uh, it talks about <clears throat> there's new goals and new dreams for the Israelites, the people of God, um, when they first arrived at the promised land called Canaan. But before they entered, the, the book of Numbers, particularly in chapter th- 13, it goes and it talks about when Moses, Moses tries to suss out this situation. And he wants to get insight into, okay, what are we dealing with here? As we start to move the people into a new thing, a new place, a new season, new goals, new dreams, this thing called the promised land, we need to plan and repair and suss things out. And so Moses sends 12 spies to bring back a report or an outlook, the Bible talks about. Um, He wanted to get insight into, okay, if we're going to go from here to there, if we're going to transition from here to this other place, if we're going to actually work hard to actually move forward, then I want to know what kind of people are living there at the moment. Uh, are the towns fortified, so they're hard to actually get into? Are we going to have to you know, break into this new place of promise? Uh, he was really getting uh, the people, the spies, to test out the level of difficulty that the people of God had to be prepared for that they'd have to face. And uh, he wanted to understand how well were the towns fortified? Uh, Was the soil fertile? Was it going to be easy for us to plant seed and to actually start to uh, be able to organize food and all these types of things? So how fertile was the soil? You know, even when we look at our New Testament life spiritually, how fertile is the soil in the season? When we go to pray, when we go to administer seed spiritually, how quickly will we see answers to prayer? It's kind of like he really wanted to suss out the, uh, the condition 
that uh, the people uh, had to deal with and how easy, how difficult, what level of opposition was there going to be to the manifestation of these goals and this dream and these new promises or this new land called the promised land. And what kind of crops currently grew there was something that he wanted the spies to suss out. The spies were gone for 40 days and when they returned, two different reports came back. And two different reports were provided to Moses. One was of faith for the future. uh, And that was led by Caleb. And that's why sometimes when you get a prophetic word and someone prophesies over you that God is establishing a Caleb spirit in you or that they sense that there's a Caleb anointing upon your life, usually what that means is, and that's why some people call their children Caleb or call their sons Caleb. And the reason for that is because the word Caleb means to, uh, to pioneer and to break through. Caleb was, had an ability to go into a situation where he saw restrictions, he saw obstacles, he saw giants in the land, but he came back with a report that said, we're going to go in and we're going to take the land. We're going to uh, overcome the giants. We're going to overcome the problems. We're going to overcome the restrictions. We're going to break through and we're going to get victory. So this is one type of report that Moses gave. But the other type of report that Moses got was one of fear. And I want to highlight this key word, which exaggerated. It exaggerated this other type of report. Let me say it again. It exaggerated the obstacles. And the report not only exaggerated the obstacles or exaggerated the, the, the difficulty of the, of the giants or exaggerated the challenge that would be before the people of God, but the exaggeration that was in those reports around those obstacles was designed to convince the people that they could not overcome those obstacles. And so it's really interesting that right back in the Old Testament, when we see this original transformation or or transition of the people from one place to another into the promised land, there are these two uh, types of reports which are literally in opposition to each other. The report of fear, the Bible teaches, considered only the circumstances rather than the faith convictions. the, 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 The report of fear also was intimidated by obstacles instead of being energized by opportunities. And it ultimately, this fear report, it lost sight of what? This critical factor when it comes to realizing that you and I are all called to overcome giants in our world. We are called to possess new territory in our life. We, you and I, as ambassadors of Christ, as representatives of the kingdom of God, you and I with God, partnering with the word of God, partnering with the Holy Spirit, you and I are called to be victorious people who year upon year upon year upon year, who may face setbacks, may face giants, we are called to overcome. Now, it's not necessarily easy. We're not going to be people who, you know, will never face a storm, but we are called to actually pursue God and pursue the promises of God and overcome. But this negative report ultimately lost sight of one critical factor that you and I are called never to lose sight of. And sometimes we will, but that's why we have to come back to church week in, week out to keep reminding ourselves and empowering us of this. This negative report ultimately lost sight of God's ability, God's ability. Everyone say God's ability. 
It lost sight of God's ability to deliver on his promises and to do what the Israelites, Israelites thought was impossible. The fear report was all about exaggerating the difficulty of the obstacles, but it lost sight of this key critical factor of the ability of God to overcome the difficulties. The ability of God with you, that when God is with you, who can be against you? And so this morning I want to start with this introduction that, um, to be honest with you, when I bring a word of God uh, to our church, it's not because, um, you know, we're trying to fill time here. I really ask the Lord, what is it that, uh, you know, He wants to bring to feed the people of God, to encourage them? And, uh, you know, what are we? The first Sunday of March. And I don't know about you, but already I've faced a couple of challenges this year. All right? Uh, does that mean that we're not going to overcome those challenges? No. Uh, we're going to take them head on with wisdom. But I want to say this to you. Sometimes around the beginning of March, you might start to put too much focus on those things that have uh, kind of crept in a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, uh, instead of going to gym, you had McDonald's. And now there's a little thought in your mind going, Ah, oh, I said I was going to, but this giant called McDonald's. This giant temptation called McDonald's is overwhelming. You know, sometimes our mind can give too much exaggeration to how much power this giant has. Okay, the double arches, for example, may seem so gigantic, all right, in its temptation to woo you away from your disciplined, new fit life. Where's my brother Leroy? Oh, kids. Well, if he was here, I'd get him to stand up because he is shedding some serious weight, Brother Leroy. Can I get you to encourage Brother Leroy, okay? Uh, he's doing good, right? We had our forever fitness guys here. I mean, it's, it's so cool. Uh, man, it's tough. The personal trainer. We had someone last Saturday who I wasn't here last Saturday because my dad actually got married. For those of you who don't know, my 80-year-old dad just got married. You know, So for those of you uh, who think that I come from a traditional pastor's kids, um, Brady Bunch kind of family, I don't. Um, that's Sarah's life. <laughs> All right. Okay, not that I like the Brady Bunch because the Brady Bunch is a bit cheesy. They just genuinely love each other. I mean, sometimes I, when I meet a stranger for the first time, I have to hold back from hugging because now I've been so entrenched in Sarah's f family that I just naturally hug people when I greet them. Because I, you know, first time I met Greg, I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, I never used to hug my dad. And when I started hanging out with Sarah, and obviously I got Jesus in my life, I started hugging my dad, and dad was like weirded out by it. But now he hugs me all the time. It's good. But I come from a blender family. My family is, you know, was quite broken. There's some really cool things that God's doing. But my dad, uh, well, he's not 80 yet. He turns 80 in September, but he got remarried. He was divorced from my mum for 20 years. Uh, he's been together with uh, his current, well, now his wife, his new wife, uh, um, Kathy, for 15 years, and they decided to get married. So, um, yeah, so that's why I wasn't there the previous one. But what I heard was at, at the last fitness is that someone kind of maybe joked or said, oh, this is a bit easy. Right? I won't name names. So uh, the personal trainer thought, right, that's it. We're going to ramp it up a little bit. And can I tell you, they ramped it up a little bit yesterday. Uh, it was, uh, who, who's doing the fitness, forever fitness thing? Wasn't it good? I mean, it was hard work. It was, it was, it wasn't, uh, no, it wasn't that. Careful, 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 Amy. 
We love your enthusiasm. We love your enthusiasm. Luckily, the PT isn't here. No, but we do love your enthusiasm. Actually, Amy's one of the best encouragers on the day. She gets in there. She encourages people. It's really, really good. She can see when people are really struggling. She really encourages people. So, but um, anyway, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, I know Brother Le- Le- Leroy is probably tempted at times to, you know, go through drive-in at McDonald's and just, you know, continue to... Oh, did he? Did you say, did you preface that, Cornelia, with, I'm not going to say anything? I love Brother Cornelio. I love how he says, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I love you, man. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, go on, tell us. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Okay. But see, this is where you, 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 you're good at coming in, Cornelio, because you're, you're, you know, you're into culling inside the lines. And so it's, just make sure that that... that that piece of cheesecake doesn't go too far. That's good. No, it's good. It's good. See, we've got all of our strengths working together as a team. All right. So when it comes to uh, the importance of staying on track, right, overcoming giants, one of the biggest locations of your giants and my giants, everyone point to my head. You can point to my head. No, everyone point towards my head. Yeah, okay. All right. Now point to your head. Okay, that's where your giants live. Okay, that's where most of your giants will live. You'll have some giants also as external circumstances that crop up. And then sometimes there'll be actually things that, you know, the enemy may um, try and throw some curveballs in. But majority of the giants actually are in here. Um, And so I wanted to just continue with the uh, the promised land analogy, and we'll go further. Promised land represented their future potential and destiny. But note that it was already occupied by what looked like giants. So in this story, God is saying to us that we will also have challenges and obstacles in our God-given destiny. And that, let's take the word destiny and just talk about 2016. Okay, sometimes it's like we, we think too much about, you know, the next 50 years, right? Let's just focus in on this season. 2016, there are certain things this year that God wants you to pursue and chase after um, and to enter into those promises. So, but God's saying in this particular story, if we give up, we will remain in the wilderness. We'll remain in that old place. We'll remain outside the fullness of the promise. And uh, so don't miss out on the promised land for your 2016, okay? Um, It's about having a Caleb spirit, and a Caleb spirit will enable you to overcome the giants. So <clears throat> what I'd like to do is I want to talk about, first of all, the daily battle of the mind. And then we're going to look at a couple of steps on how to defeat giants. So let's talk about, though, the reality of the daily battle of the mind. Because I want to take it from this Old Testament example, which we're going to go back to in a minute. Um, and we're going to look at also uh, King David, who obviously took down Goliath. But the daily battle of the mind. Now, <clears throat> when you think about the, the, the battle of the mind, it is daily. And there are certain things that you uh, have to be wary of when you're battling your mind and you're trying to transform your mind. That's why we're actually doing this particular series at Forever Life at the moment. But faith is not a product of our emotions. Um, it's really a gift from God. But also when it comes to faith, it's essential to choose the Word of God in your mind. It's, it's essential to make sure that you're focusing and choosing to build the Word of God in your mind. 
Faith can be grown by, we know, exposing yourself to the word of God. But if I go into specifics here, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God has embedded his presence into the word of the Bible. So this is called inspiration. So when we say the Bible inspires us, uh, it's, it's not literally that, that same definition that inspire usually means now, which just means to motivate, right? But the word inspire actually means to breathe. So when we're reading the Word of God and we're taking in the Word of God and we're meditating on the Word of God and we're using the Word of God to build this thought life of victory, it enables us to breathe. It enables us to breathe in courage. It enables us to breathe in resilience. It enables us to breathe in faith. It establishes the ability for us to overcome the giants that sometimes are living in a headspace. Or when you go into a new year and you've got that fresh inspiration you know we did 24 7 when we did seek and we were we're praying and we're seeking God the giants in your thought life that usually try to oppose you will sometimes bow down in that season because we're breathing in the word of God and we're getting around our goals and we're getting around our dreams and we're writing out the things that God wants us to pursue and we're hanging out with God and we're spending time in the word of God and so what what's what's interesting is as we enter those things into the new year then those giants sometimes will hide or they'll start to uh, diminish somewhat but then if we start to slack off in reading the word of God and we're not actually getting fresh fresh oxygen from the word of God and we're not continually renewing our mind then what we'll find is, is that those giants will start to pop up and will start to intimidate in the land called our mind. And so it's critical right now, this first Sunday of March, that I want to say this to you. Do not let go of the discipline of spending time in the Word. This is not rocket science. This is a straightforward principle here that we know, but it's about having a relationship with the Word of God. Many times I had a chat with someone yesterday about how I see Christians, they, you know, they, they, they kind of just kind of have a strong bent one way. Um, and so <clears throat> it's important to make sure that, watch this, I just want to kind of, you know, highlight this point. Be careful that we don't think the only relational time with God is, a, is the Holy Spirit. What, what, let, me, let me highlight this. Be careful that we don't think that the only type of relational time that we spent with God is with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, don't think this. Don't think, okay, if I want to build my relationship with God, then that's all about me just lying on my bed and listening to worship music and speaking to the Holy Spirit. Is that important at times? Yes. But who knows that the Word of God is God? Come on now, think about it. It says in the Bible that the Word of God is God. The Word of God is not some little support mechanism that we use to teach us about God. It is, but the Word of God, in fact, is God. So when you read the Word of God, when you study the Word of God, when you consume the Word of God, when you eat the Word of God, you are spending time with God Himself. Sometimes I think we can get out of balance in thinking that the the relational side to our relationship with God is having those Holy Spirit moments. Now, the Holy Spirit moments are very critical because it's the oil of heaven and it helps to, the anointing comes upon us and all these types of things. But sometimes, because that's more about how we feel, and sometimes it's quicker to get that feeling of we put the worship music on and we're spending time with the Lord. But please do not forget that spending time with the Lord is also when you're reading the Word of God. And when you're renewing your mind in alignment to the Word of God. Because who you hang around 
and who you hang out with is who you become. You are called to become Christ-like. You are called to become like Jesus. You are called to develop the mind of Christ. You are transformed into the likeness of Christ by transforming and renewing your mind. And so when you spend time with the Word of God, who actually is God, the Word of God is God, by hanging out with the Word of God, by building a relationship with the Word of God, it helps to transform you and make you more Christ-like. Jesus Christ is the source of everything to do with our victory. And so the Word of God is something that we need to have a relationship with, not just something that we read. Is anyone hearing me today? So the daily battle of the mind, I just feel to encourage you, make sure that you're spiritually breathing and you're hanging out with God. And it's not simply always the same category of pressing play on that iPod, listening to whatever track you're listening to and kind of just soaking. Okay? All right? Because I want to send this challenge to you. That ain't going to cut the mustard. It's not going to cut the mustard peeps. Right? Um, it's, it's just not going to bring the breakthrough for your life. It's not going to transform you. The Word of God is going to transform you. And you get the Word of God in your mind and you read the Word of God. Um, can I tell you, this is where this whole thing of, of Christians becoming consumers and not really being disciples where we, we, we buy the CD. And there's nothing wrong with it. I get, I get music's great. And we go to the conference and we have the wow experience. But how is your personal relationship with the Word of God? Yeah. See, sometimes we go, how is your personal relationship with Jesus? Oh, I just, you know, I was just floating in my bedroom and I was listening to music <laughs> and I just really felt the anointing and it was just really impacted me. And it made me feel good. And it made me feel like I was close to God. And then we go out of that moment and then we get hit with the realities of these giants of our life, whether they're here, whether they're circumstances. And we don't have the weaponry in our identity to fight. And then we get despondent. We get disappointment. We feel like our ident- we, don't, we, we lack confidence. We lack the confidence of Christ. We go, and then we go back into these moments to try and get the quick fix again, right? Where we, we, where, where we feel that our relationship with Jesus is all about laying down, you know, in his lap. And he just strokes our hair and we listen to the music and he's just saying, it will be all right. Yes, I love you. It will be all right. Yes, I love you. And then we get up again and we go, oh, yes, he loves me. That's right. How could I have forgotten it? But there's no real weaponry that we're forged into our mind. That's why I was saying this morning, be careful that when you come to worship, it's not just about an experience. You're seeking God. Seeking God is all about also in the Word of God. So, Four steps to defeating giants. First of all, have you ever started a project and not finished it? Or put a dream on hold because other things got on the way? We've all experienced that, haven't we? The truth is, we know that starting something is easy. However, with God's help, we can finish whatever we start because the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. So we're getting very practical here now. And God will give us what we need, especially in the times of adversity. So it's important to understand when we step out, when we step out to do the things of God and what He's planned for us. Let's talk about 2016. We need to be ready to stand our ground when opposition comes along. Because it will come. So you will come up against adversity 
towards pursuing your goals and breaking through into whatever it is that God wants you to break into. And again, it's not just always external goals. Literally setting a goal to read the Word of God more and get into the Word of God is something that will be the promised land for you because from that will become a blessing of the strength of your identity and everything will flow from that. And there'll be adversity that comes against you when you try to pursue a strong relationship with the Word of God. There'll always be opposition that comes along whenever you try to pursue something that God wants you to pursue. So just know that. Everyone say, okay, I know that. Okay, I know that. All right, whenever you try to enter in. So the Apostle Paul said this, a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. That was in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Let me read that again. He's basically saying, God's got all these things he wants me to go for, right? And it will be happening in various seasons. But he said, a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. So, defeating your giants. All right. <clears throat> Who here has heard of King David in the Bible? Okay, so we're going to look at this story of Goliath, but I want to look at a couple of key principles here. All right. First <clears throat> Samuel 17. I want you to write that down for me. Because one action point I'd like you to do this week. That's right. Your pastor's giving you homework. Watch out. He must be serious. Action point is I want you to read 1 Samuel 17, okay? I want you to read over that chapter this week and try and dive deeper into some of the principles I'm going to teach on this morning and apply it to your world for 2016, apply it to your life. Look at some of these principles that David used to actually not only take on Goliath, but to defeat him. So in 1 Samuel 17, it gives us a formula for defeating the giants in our lives. All the soldiers of Israel were in a valley, and a a giant named Goliath was threatening them. No one wanted to fight Goliath, so a shepherd boy named David decided that he would slay the giant. And when King Saul heard what David wanted to do, he told him it was a ridiculous idea and that he was too young. And David did eventually kill the giant, and we can learn a lot about defeating our own adversaries in this story. Okay, first key or step in defeating giants in your world. There are three types of giants that you will face. There are giants in your thought life, your own thoughts, own strongholds that you think or that you believe. Second giant is circumstances that seem to kind of roll out in your situation. You think, that's a big fat roadblock. How am I going to get over that? How am I going to get around that? How am I going to get through that? Or how am I going to get under that? And then the third type of obstacle or giant will actually be sometimes not necessarily in your thought life, not necessarily circumstantial, but it'll be more spiritually atmospheric. And it's something that's, you know, uh, demonic, that's trying to ass- been assigned against you and, and it's just really difficult and it's restricting you. But can I say this, <laughs> right? The default reaction to any type of giant in your life should not be, oh, it's a demon. <laughs> can I tell you why? That's not healthy. Should we be discerning sometimes that it might be something that's spiritually atmospheric? Yes. But if our knee-jerk reaction is always put in that category, it's not healthy, I'll tell you why. Because sometimes we can then fall into the trap of actually not taking responsibility. Not taking responsibility for our own thought life. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I say to people, um, do you really think that you need 
prayer right now? Or do you really think that you should actually just take captive the own thoughts that are running through your head? Now, that, not that I d- discourage people from receiving prayer. I mean, prayer will never be a hindrance. But sometimes we're always looking for some other minister of God to fix my problem or something outside. Or can I please get ministry for this? And that's all good. There are times and seasons where people need that. And don't worry about it. We value that. We've got a great team that offers all of that. But can I also say this to you, that we have to take responsibility for the primary location of most of our giants, and that's our own headspace. Let me be even more blunt. <clears throat> I would dare say, this is, there's always exceptions to the rule, but I would dare say that if someone's in a season in their life and they're getting external ministry assistance, but there's no breakthrough at all, usually it'll be because there's something in their thought life that they themselves have not taken responsibility for. And so if you start to get despondent going, oh, that prayer's not working or that ministry's not working or going to church is not working, can I say to you, well... Let's look at the word responsibility. It's the ability to respond. The ability to respond is how are you walking out your responsibility to actually renew your mind with the word of God? That's how you get transformed. What's your relationship with the word of God like? Um, Be encouraged this morning, church. That yes, God loves us, but God gives us all of the tools, but we have to kind of, you have to partner with the tools. You have to kind of, you have to kind of put some effort in, into your own discipleship. You can't keep relying on everyone else. You can't keep relying on the church is here to empower you, to help you. But can I tell you, in your daily disciplines, how are you going and allowing the word of God to infiltrate the promised land in your headspace and to tell those giants in your headspace to bow down, to be quiet, to shut up and to to submit to the word of God. Take responsibility for your thought life. So the first key is to ignore, I want you to write this, ignore criticism. A lot of times the criticism towards you and your goals is in your headspace. Most people think they're a loser because they tell themselves over and over again that they are a loser. Most people don't think they're a loser because other people have told them. Most people think they're a loser because they keep telling themselves that they're a loser. Right? Now, sometimes we have to break off the words of others of our lives, but ignore criticism. But criticism doesn't just come from yourself. You know, we can be so self-critical. We can actually swim and live in a pool of thinking that's so self-critical. Self-condemnation. It's a horrible place of bondage that Jesus wants to set us free from. But also, there are times when criticism will come from others around us. It will come from circumstances where you think, oh, this is happening again to me. And also, we've got to understand, we've got to, at times, ignore the doubters. So let's have a look at this story uh, from 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel. But before he goes after Goliath, before David... The shepherd boy David goes after Goliath. He's got to convince the doubters. The first one is his older brother, Eliab, who questions David's motives. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert with? I know how conceited you are. These are the words from 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 28. His brother directly criticizing him. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert with? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So it's basically, you only came here just to watch the battle. You want to sit there with your popcorn. You've, 
You're not looking after the sheep that you're supposed to be responsible for, little David. I know why you're here. Who have you come down with? Why have you left those sheep there? What are you all about? Why are you doing this? Right? Who here has ever received criticism before? Who knows sometimes it can knock you for six. It can really knock you around. And if it gets in your headspace and you start to buy into it, it can stop the momentum. It can stop from you from entering things, entering promises, pursuing goals, chasing after dreams. So Eliab's problem is twofold. First, he's a jerk. Okay? For those of you wondering, no, jerk is not a swear word. Okay? But it is a fairly clear word of what I'm saying Eliab is. He's a jerk. Right? But the second thing is, he's a coward. He can't stand the thought that his kid brother could do something that he couldn't. So David answered in the words of younger brothers and sisters everywhere, Now what have I done? This is David's, what, 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 now what have I done? Right? Why are you having a go at me? What, what's your problem? Right? Does anyone meet a little brother or little sister and your big brother and sister is going, Oh, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get mum and dad. Now, now what have I done? So little David, now what have I done? That's in verse 31. But still he wasn't ready to go fight Goliath. So he's dealing with this doubt from his brother. Word comes to Saul that at last a man has been found. And so when Saul, Saul, King Saul, finds out it's David, he can't believe it. David in his eyes is just a kid. No chance in the world he could beat Goliath. He tells David this. You are only a boy. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of... uh, Just lost my place there. Here we go. Where am I? There we go. You are only a boy and he has... Sorry, I missed my place there. You are only a boy and he has been fighting a man from his youth. Now David's answer is classic. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. Now behind these brave words, his response to criticism lies an important truth. Every giant in your path, get this, every giant in your path is also in God's path if you are going in God's direction. So every single giant that's in your headspace is a giant that God wants to take down, is a giant that's not just opposing you and your goal and your dream and your life, but is a a giant that is directly opposing the Most High God. That's why it talks about pull down the strongholds and every lofty thought that exalts itself against the truth and pull it into captivity unto, underneath Christ Jesus. God wants to see you destroy strongholds in your thought life to overcome the giants in your thought life that will try and intimidate you from pursuing the very goals and dreams that God has given you. Because when God sees you breaking through, it glorifies Him. He has a vested interest in dealing with the giants that oppose your goals and your dreams because you are a man or a woman of God. And if you have giants opposing your goals and dreams, then those same same giants are directly opposing your God. Can you see the mindset that David had? So, when we keep saying, I'm sorry that this is happening because of this. Or this is going on because of this. Or I can't break through because of this. Can I just challenge you today and say, hey, 
Stop swimming in this because it's not just you. All this stuff that has hindered you before in the past is not just your hindrance. It actually is God's hindrance. It's hindering God's work inside of you. And therefore, God himself, Jesus Christ himself, has a vested interest in seeing that giant being beheaded, seeing that stronghold being cut off from your mind, and so the mind of Christ being able to arise in your thought life. And so it's important to not feel like you're fighting alone and be intimidated in your own thought life, or even if it's out, out, uh, outside criticism or external criticism. <clears throat> so the first thing that's critical is you want to ignore criticism and you want to ignore the unbelief of others. In 1 Samuel seventeen thirty-two to 33, David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight with him. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go and fight against this Philistine. You're only an adolescent, and he's been a warrior from his youth. And then David responded by telling King Saul all that God could do. Let me share this with you. This particular principle about ignoring criticism, ignoring doubt, your own criticism of yourself, you've got to defeat it. You've got to take it on, church. As a man thinks, so he is. There are giants that will try and dominate and possess your thought life. You've got to take them down. And the only way you will take them down is with the Word of God. You've got to allow the Word of God to run through your headspace. And sometimes it's about warfare. Sometimes it's about closing your bedroom door and literally getting the Word of God, getting the Scriptures that will defy those thoughts. And you've got to plummel. Pummel, pummel, pummel your thought life by speaking out the word of God to dictate it. And let me share this story with you. Uh, <clears throat> there was a season uh, before we planted this church. I was very new in the Lord. I was very zealous. Um, I had a lot of dreams and a lot of things that God was talking to me about. And after a season of God really strengthening his identity in me, I started to get a real, right from the get-go, when I first walked in the house of God, as soon as I gave my life to Christ, the house of God was just amazing to me. I just loved the house of God. The house of God was just, so I always thought I, I, I was going to you know, do something that was about building the house of God. But then there was a season of transition where that stayed still in my heart. But God also started to stir within me. Um, and he started to show me visions of me, me, me training um, and me, me traveling and being a consultant and being in business and training and coaching people in business and, and an excellence in the marketplace and having a successful business in that. And so the, the Lord kept talking to me about this. And so I went and spoke to a particular person because I just wanted to bounce it off them. This was a man of God and I wanted to bounce it off them. And this is what this person said. We sat down, I opened my heart, I said, I can really see myself, you know, having a training and a coaching business and I'd love to, I'd love to have a consulting business and I, you know, I just want to kind of bounce that off you, what do you think? And this is what he said, um, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't think it's going to happen because if you look at your life right now, I mean, you've never done anything like that 
you don't really have the skills. I mean, you don't have the experience. You definitely don't have the contacts. Look, I think you need to be realistic. And uh, it's good for you to have goals and dreams. But, you know, uh, it, 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 look, it's not going to happen. Okay? Now, what was interesting was for the next four weeks, who knows there was a battle going on in my mind. Right? There was a weighing up. Do I need, should I believe this? Should I buy into this? This seems to be contrary to what God's saying to me. Now, this person, though, is someone that I asked to speak into my world. So then what I did was I went and I had a conversation with a mentor in the house of God. And I sat down with them and I said, look, um, I've asked this person's just input. I just wanted to bounce off them kind of innocently. And this is what they said. And it's really just stuck with me it's stuck onto me for four weeks and it just won't seem to leave me and and it's kind of it's heavy upon me and I I don't feel like I can run with this and I feel like I'm maybe I'm being silly and being stupid and I'm just being unrealistic this is what this mentor said he said when you go into the word of God and when you spend time with God and he speaks to you what is he still saying to you God's saying that he's going to have a business and a, like a training and, and a coaching business for me in the future. And I need to start learning and I need to start growing and he start reading books and I need to start going to network events. And he start because bit by bit, God's going to raise me up and he's going to release me into this. And it's going to be a key to provide for my family and for my children, my grandchildren. And this mentor looked in my eyes and he said, you know what? Your response to that question, I just want to let you know, I can see this is going to happen for you. I can see that God is, is all over your life. And if that's what God's spoken to your heart, as long as you're faithful and you keep with God and you keep partnering with God, nothing is impossible with your God. Nothing is impossible. So can I say, here, say to you that I'm standing here before you now where this business is a reality. It's been happening for about five years now. And it keeps going from strength to strength. With God, he keeps talking to me about it. He keeps giving us the strategies of what to do. But can I tell you that even since that time where that guy encouraged me in opposition to the guy that criticized me, there's still been giants in my headspace. There's been giants in Sarah's headspace. There's been doubts. There's been fears. But can I tell you, when you keep going back to the Word of God, when you keep going back to the truth, when you keep going back to the author and finisher of your life, and He speaks to you, and you allow the Scripture to go in and to permeate and to actually speak to those things, like David spoke to Goliath, and take down those giants, that's the way that you get victory. And so it's about ignoring the criticism and ignoring the doubt wherever the source is. Now, can I say that sometimes you're going to get advice from people Okay, that will be a little bit balanced. I'm a big believer in balanced uh, advice. You know, I always say to people, if you get a big prophetic, you know, prophetic word about your destiny, then there's a reality of walking that destiny out. It requires being faithful with a little, being good steward, keep your relationship with God right. When you fall over, when you fall down, you're being repentant. There is some principles of God that you're going to walk out. We can't just click our fingers and everything manifests like two-minute magic noodles. It doesn't work like that all the time, right? So the, but the reality is, is this, is that God is a God who will plant a seed in your heart first, a dream. And then from there, you've got to keep fanning that with him. And bit by bit, he'll start to show you exactly how you'll do things. And there'll be setbacks and there'll be giants. But that, that initial stage of the dream, the seed part, is you've got to protect it. And sometimes there'll be giants who want to stamp it out. 
but you've got to ignore the criticism and keep going back to the Word of God. Amen? Amen. The second key that David really utilized was not only did he deal with the criticism, not only did he directly deal with truth in counteracting the king. I mean, the king criticized him. His own brother criticized him. But he also remembered the victories. He remembered the things that God's already done the preparation in his life. And so can I tell you, there is no one here that would be exempt from this principle that you can relate back to in your mind the past victories. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion (coughs) and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And so he was remembering that God had raised him up as a shepherd boy. There was a time when he had to actually defeat a lion to protect the sheep from the lion. And he got victory there. He had to protect the sheep from the bear. Now he had to protect the sheep, the people of of Israel, from this intimidating giant. And what a lot of people don't realize is in this story is that in the words that the giant uses, and he says, I am... A Philistine, right? Actually, in the translation, in the Hebrew, it actually translates as, he said, I am the Philistine. And the means, I'm the one that none of you can defeat. And the rule of this game, they were playing a war game. See, basically, the strategy was, a lot of people don't realize, but the Israelites had actually had a bit of a go at the Philistines a couple of months prior to this war. And they'd actually got a little bit of victory. So the Philistines desperately wanted revenge. Can I tell you, sometimes you're going to get victories in your life. And the enemy, in the next couple of weeks, will want revenge. He'll want to try and get another giant to raise up in your headspace and try and take you down or stop the momentum, whatever it is. And uh, so the, the, the people of God had got a little bit of victory into the Philistines. And the war game strategy was this. Rather than us all just fighting each other and most of us all dying, And then the one guy at the end, you know, stands up and goes, I'm still alive, so we won, right? Rather than this mass bloodshed, the strategy was, right, um, I'm going to be out here and I'm going to represent the Philistines. So you pick one person, take me on, and whoever wins out of us two, right, means that the army wins. The army they're representing wins. And so that was the strategy. And so he, he gets up there and he says, I am the Philistine. As I'm, I got, and the Bible talks about that not, he didn't just come down once. This is what you've got to get. He didn't just come down once, and he was so massive, so big. He literally was a giant, but he was covered in, in like, armor, in bronzed armor, right? So imagine you know, those stories, like, what were what, what those movies, 300, or what is it called? You know, the, the movie called 300, and they're just massive, these, you know. I mean, he was bigger than that. He was just covered in this, this bronze iron, but he walks down, but it happened, get this, church, it happened for 40 days. It wasn't just he walked down. And went, right, I'm the guy, I'm the Philistine, right? I'm bigger, I'm bolder, I'm braver than you. Who here wants to take me on? Come on. And then they all wait, you know, the Israelites just kind of were a bit weird, weirded out, going, eh, 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 for a while. And then little David <laughs> runs up and goes, I'll do it, I'll do it. Ching, <laughs> you didn't cut your head off with your sword. Right, it didn't happen like that. He rocks up one day and he's just standing there and the Israelites are just freaking out. And the deal was, if no one came to face him, then he went back the next day. So watch this. Most nights over those 40 days, the Israelites are strategizing. They're thinking, how are we going to take on the, how are we going to take on the Philistines? How are we going to defeat this giant? Who's going to... But, and all of them were stricken with fear. They were intimidated. They were paralyzed. 
They didn't know what to do for 40 days. So the giants that arise up in your life don't just pop up once. They will keep coming and coming and coming and coming again until you decide to take them on. Come on, church. They will keep coming. And this is why Jesus wants to encourage you this morning. You've got to take on these giants, particularly the ones in your headspace. You've got to take them on. Because if you don't, they'll either hide for a while or they'll just keep coming. And it will lock you into a place of paralysis where you can't break through. And so a key also is not just to uh, remember the victories, but also to understand that you've got to, you've got, you can't allow the criticism to come. And you've also got to remember the victories. You've got to remember what God's done to be able to take on these things. There are some giants right now that I'm taking on in my life. There are some things right now where I'm believing for a particular breakthrough in uh, our marketplace vision. And it's a big breakthrough. And there's some significant giants. And it's tough. It's like, you know, there's doubt that creeps in. And then there's intimidation from competition because they can see that things are happening. And it's, you know, it's, it's a battle. But it's, it's important for me to go, okay, well, I can remember the past victories. God has broken through. And so the second thing you have to do if you want to defeat your giants is remember the past victories God has given you. When you get in a tight spot, look back at what God has already brought you through and delivered you from. Don't look at how far you have to go. Look at how far you've come. You've got to keep thinking about the victories. Number three, third key, is watch your words. Okay, let's go back to Samuel 17. But notice David's answer. It's the key to the whole story. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's in 1 Samuel 17, 26. Wait a minute, did you get that? Let's repeat it. He said the armies of the living God. Not the armies of Saul or the armies of Israel. Now, that makes all the difference in the world. What he said. What he said, church. What he said. The soldiers, they're saying, do you see that guy? He's like a mountain out there. Do you see how big he is? You wouldn't last five seconds. You wouldn't last five seconds. This is impossible. David, don't you see him? Look how big he is. This guy is huge. This is full on. This is too hard. This is tough. And David sees exactly the same thing that they all see. But he also sees something else that nobody in the army of Israel had seen. David saw that Goliath, this is my point, but I'm reiterating. I kind of made it a couple of minutes ago. David saw that Goliath was not only defying Israel, but that Goliath was defying God. See, once you get that the giants in your life are defying your God because they're defying you, that means that you get a revelation that this is not just your battle, but it's God's battle as well. 
Can I tell you, that's such a... Don't just go, oh, that's a nice point, Pastor Brad. Let me write it down. I wonder what's for lunch. (laughs) It's a big point, right? It's a massive, massive principle. Because it's about getting it in here and getting it in here and getting it in here. When I point to here, I'm not talking about my belly. I'm talking about my spirit, my heart, my mind, right? When you understand that God is for you, come on. God really is for you. He believes in you. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to have victory in your life. He wants you to go from where you are to the next stage, whatever that is. And what battle plans and blueprints he's given you at the beginning of the year, he wants you to do well. He wants to see you succeed. He knows better than you even know about the things, the giants living in your head. And so those giants living in your head, when you can understand that they're taking on God himself, then that should allow a fighting warrior spirit on the inside to rise up inside of you and to know that you want to fight against these things, not just because you're fighting for yourself, but you're fighting for your God to get the victory in your life to glorify your God. I mean, I could stand here for 12 hours and keep repeating myself, which... Sometimes I like the idea of doing, because I like repetition. <laughs> I'm just being gifted. Poor Sarah knows I love repetition. just love repeating myself. So sometimes helps in prayer when I'm in warfare prayer, and I just keep, keep repeating the Word of God. I mean, I love that. Some of you think, oh, that's tough work. I'm like, hey, have a bit of a sip of my orange juice and keep going. I love it. <laughs> but <clears throat> can I say this to you? Um, this is a massive key that I've seen in my own world is that your identity uh, and the fight that you are generating in your life to come against these things in your world, particularly in your thought life, you've got to understand that if you just think it's about your effort and just what, what you're, you're, you're doing it because you're, you're trying to get this goal to happen or you're believing for the stream, if it's just all about you, you will run out of steam, right? And... Uh, Apostle Greg last time I talked about that partly how God builds is he builds revelationally. So he builds with revelation. You've got to get the revelation that God is actually wanting to fight with you. So it's important to know how we speak about things. So he said the armies, not of Israel, not of Saul, but he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is that thought? What is that thought? That stinking, ugly thought in your headspace that would try and defy your God from breaking through in your life. Come on now. Let's think about it this way. What is that paralytic, stinking, stronghold lie in your headspace that would be stubborn enough to feel like it can intimidate you from stopping you from moving forward to glorify your God. Who does that thought, or what does that thought, that that's a lie from hell, think it is, sticking so stubbornly and trying to possess your mind? That's the kind of attitude that a Caleb spirit has. Now, we can pray for people, we can impart this, we can believe, but this is the catch. You have to want to have that spirit. No one can force that upon you. Not even God himself can force that upon you. You've got to have the desire to want to overcome. 
And so <clears throat> basically David, when he saw this giant, he said, this giant is blocking the way of God. Let's go get him. What's blocking the way of God in your life? What's stopping? And again, I want, I want you to highlight mainly that sometimes there's atmospheres, sometimes there's circumstances. The way that we deal with circumstances is prayer. You've got to keep praying. Things will break through. Atmospheres, prayer, to pierce those things. But a lot of times, it's the thoughts. And yeah, it's prayer, but it's speaking the word of God and the way that you see things. It's also important to speak the word of God and not words of defeat. Oh, man. If I can just have an honest moment with you, not that the rest of the sermon wasn't honest, it was. But if I can just kind of kind of lean over my pulpit and just have a little bit of an honest moment with you. Is everyone okay with that? This is an honest moment. Here we go. Defeat. Defeated words. Defeated speech. It would be of anything that I've seen in helping people to grow in God, it'd be the number one, the number one of anything else, the number one thing that locks people in prisons and stops them from breaking free. Where they just stubbornly continue to just speak out defeat. So I want to challenge you to take that on and turn that around. David tells Goliath exactly how he's going to defeat him. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will smite you. This is a shepherd boy. And I will smite you. He's been coming, this giant's been coming up and down 40 days. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will smite you, (laughs) I love that bit, and cut off your head. I just feel like doing this in a bit of an attitude British accent. I don't know, it's just coming upon me here. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and cut off your head. And I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. (laughs) Attitude! A bit of fighting spirit. So I love the fact that (laughs) David knew what he had to do. He ran to the battle line trusting God and confessing out loud what was going to happen to the giant. So when we put our confidence in God, we can overcome any obstacle. You can speak the word of God and say, I know who I am and I know who I belong to. I am a child of the living God. Nothing will defeat me. This is God's promise to me in his word. And I will not do without the very best that God says that I can have. I will not give up. Is the modern day example of what David did. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Jesus to come as we close this morning.
And taking on the challenge of our giants all starts with our relationship with Jesus, obviously. Jesus is the ultimate warrior. He has taken down the most challenging giant that the world has ever seen, and that giant was sin and death. He not only took on sin and death, he not only challenged it, but he absolutely broke the backbone. He broke the nervous system of the spirit of of death. He conquered the power of sin by laying down his life. By giving up his life so that we could all receive eternal life. So the starting point to living a victorious life is recognizing the most ultimate overcomer and his name is Jesus. See, Jesus is coming back In the book of Revelation, it says Jesus Christ is coming back for his overcoming church. Jesus is coming back for a glorified bride. For a people of God that united under his name and strengthened by the reality of what he did in shedding his blood. He's coming back for a people that have a revelation that they're all called to be overcomers, that with Christ, nothing is impossible. No giant in your head, no giant in your circumstances, no giant spiritually, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, that nothing is impossible with Christ.